Welcome to the Second Students North podcast. My name is Randy, and we are currently in a series called Ask Me Anything, where we are taking a look at some of the difficult questions our students have about their faith, about the Bible, or just things in our culture that they're confused about, and giving them a biblical answer. We hope you enjoy week one. Excited um, that we're launching into this new series, Ask Me Anything. We've been collecting some questions from you guys, and wow, we have gotten some interesting, hard questions, and uh, we're going to be diving into those for the next few weeks. But I thought before we do, um, I thought I can maybe ask you guys some questions just to kind of begin to stretch your mind. As we go through some of these questions, it's gonna be important that we learn some of these questions that we look at are gonna cause us to need to think in a different way. And I thought we could maybe practice this a little bit. Um, I had a teacher that would always open her uh, her class up with some riddles to get us really ready for class. And I thought, man, let me just throw some at you guys and see if you guys might know some of these riddles. I don't know, is anybody out here like a riddle fan? You like really like riddles? So let's just see, okay. Um, I was never really good at these, but I thought I'd throw some out If you know it, um, I guess you can just shout it out. We'll see if I hear um, the right answer. The first one, it says this. It says, the more you take away, the more I become. What am I? That's like deep. Wait, say it. Somebody said time? Time? A hole is the right answer. You guys, I heard that right there. You guys were like, wait, what? The more you take away, the more I become. It's like, it sounds philosophical right there. Um, What about this one? What, my wife actually got this one really quick. What belongs to you, but, oh man, you guys are good. But you use it, uh, but um, other people use it more than you. It is your name. Um, Let me throw this one out. Here we go. Um, What is more useful when it is broken? Jesus is good. I heard an egg. Anybody else want to throw something out? Somebody say lipstick? Glow stick. Hey, that's good. It is actually the answer here. The answer here is an egg is what I got, but a glow stick would work. It's interesting on this question. I remember I was reading through some of these. I thought that one was interesting because it says, what is more useful when it is broken? And that one really messes with your mind because your initial response when you think about something being broken, I'm like, well, nothing. You don't want to break anything. Things are only useful when they work properly. How can it be better when it's broken? And I remember like, I look at the answer, I see an egg, I'm like, oh man, I should have known that. It just, it requires you, when you think about that question, and maybe some of you guys knew the answer because you'd seen, heard it before. Uh, Maybe some of you guys are actually just that good at riddles. Uh, But for me, I had to look at the answer. But it causes us even there, causes us to think a little bit differently. Um, Because in our mind, we wanna think, well, things that are broken never work. But the truth is, it's like, oh yeah, see, I do see how that works. And we're gonna look at some questions that are gonna stretch the way we think. And tonight is no different. We're tackling a question that is a difficult question. The question is this, and it was probably one of the most asked questions. There were two that were asked really frequently, but, um, and this was one of those two. And the question was this, it was, why did God allow evil? And why would God allow Adam and Eve to sin? The question was asked so many times, why didn't God just stop sin from happening? It, it doesn't make sense. And so we're going to have in that question, but I want to start out with this Um, I don't think, it's not a disclaimer, but I want you guys to know that there's no place 
in scripture that I can turn to as we wrestle with this idea of why did God allow evil? Why did God allow Adam and Eve to sin in the garden? And some of you guys, maybe you're thinking, well, what does, what do you mean sin or Adam and Eve? But when you go back and look at the book of Genesis, the reason why sin is in the world is because Adam and Eve chose to eat from this forbidden fruit that they weren't supposed to. And the question is, why would God allow them to do that? And there's nowhere in scripture that I can turn to where it says, and this is why God allowed Adam and Eve to fall into sin. There's no place that I can turn to to explain why God allowed what he allowed. The scripture is silent on that question, and that's why this has been a question um, really forever. But, and, and I want to be careful because where God is silent, I want to make sure that I'm silent. But it doesn't mean we can't learn something really important from this question. Why did God allow evil? Why did God allow sin into the world? It's interesting, some of you may be familiar with this book. There's a book called Job in the Bible. It's about a man named Job. And Job experiences extreme suffering and catastrophe. He loses everything. And then he comes down with this disease. And if you read through the book of Job, I mean, he's wrestling with all these horrible things, all these difficult circumstances because we live in a fallen world. And the result of that fallen world, because God allowed sin, there is suffering, there is pain. And Job is struggling with this pain and the suffering and he's pleading with God, God, tell me why? Why am I going through this? Where are you in all of this? Which all of you who probably asked that question, why would God allow evil? Why did God allow Adam and Eve to sin? For some of you who wrote that question down, that's probably maybe where you are. God, why would you allow this pain and suffering? And Job is pleading with God, answer me. And what's interesting is the last few chapters of Job, God does answer Job. But he doesn't answer his question why he's had to go through what he went through. Instead, God steps into Job's life and he basically asks a bunch of questions that are like this. Where were you when I created the earth? He asked Job, have you in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn its place so it may seize the edge of the earth and shake the wicked out? He says, he asks him, do you know what road leads to the place where light is dispersed, where the source of the east wind that spreads across the earth? He asks them all these questions, which basically is putting himself on display, saying, do you know all these things? He's putting himself on display, not answering Job's question, but showing up and making himself known. You know, what's interesting is in that moment, what God realizes And what Job needs more than anything is not an answer to his question, but he needs the presence of God in that moment. And what's interesting is God steps up and God asks all these questions. And this is Job's reply in Job 40 verses four through five. It says this, this is Job. He says, I am so insignificant. How can I answer you? I place my hand over my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not reply twice, but now I can add nothing. He just puts his hand over his mouth and says, that's sufficient, that's all I need, is to know that you're there. And I just want us to know that tonight as we travel into this question and look at um, what God's word does say and things that have happened through God allowing sin and evil, 
I want you to know that sometimes there are moments where more than we need an answer, we just need God and his presence. And I want you to know that that's what we have in this room tonight is God saying, I'm right here. And I know there are some things that may not make sense, but I'm here and I'm present and I'm powerful. It's interesting, R.C. Sproul, as I was studying, I came across a theologian and he says this about evil. I wanna throw it out as we jump into this topic. He says this, R.C. Sproul, he says, evil is not good. That's one thing we know when we look at scripture, we know that evil is not good and we cannot call evil good. But this is what R.C. Sproul says. He says, but it is good that there is evil. That's what he says. And when I first heard that as I was studying, it just began to mess with me. I began to think, what? But it is good that there is evil. This is what he says, is because God is holy and perfect and good, then whatever he has allowed, even though he hasn't explained to us why he allowed sin, just the fact that he is holy, perfect, and good, because he's allowed evil, it is good. And my first kind of reaction to that was this struggle of, I just don't know if I can wrap my mind around that. Remember, this is going to stretch the way we think. But I began to think about this. I thought, why do I struggle with that statement that evil is evil, but it's good that there's evil? I struggle because I have a tendency to think that this world and all of creation somehow were made for me. Because I began to think evil is the reason why we experience pain and suffering and the reason why things are uncomfortable and why we have to work hard and why things are difficult. God, I don't like that. And I had to come to a point where I had to realize, God, you know what? The purpose of creation was not about my comfort. There's nowhere in scripture where we can read that God says, I created all this so that you might just be happy. Guys, God put creation into motion and he even created you so that he might be on display so that he might receive glory. Everything revolves around God and his purpose. And we have to be careful to think that somehow this life and this creation was meant for us. It's all meant for God. In fact, in Genesis, God makes humanity to be image bearers of God. That was the purpose. It wasn't, I'm gonna make humanity so that they might live this carefully free life that just pleases them, but I'm going to make humans to be my image bearer, that they would reflect who I am. And we have to remember that because if we don't, then we'll begin to skew, we'll look at things like the broken egg and we'll think, things aren't supposed to be broken. Well, because that's bad. And we'll look at our life and think, man, this doesn't make me happy, so it must be bad. But remember, when God put creation in motion, it was for his glory. It was for him, for him to be glorified and for him to make himself known. It's interesting in John chapter 17, Jesus says something really interesting about eternal life. And some of you, maybe you think the goal is that I would know Jesus and I would spend eternity in heaven and have eternal life. Well, let me tell you what Jesus says about eternal life. He says this in John 17, verse three. He says, this is eternal life. That they, that's you, this is Jesus, that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. He says, this is eternal life, that you would know God. Guys, I want you to remember that the goal, the pursuit of our life is not our comfort, but it is to know God. 
And God has allowed sin. We know that because it's in the world. He allowed it. Why? I don't know. But this is what I do know. Because God has allowed sin, because God has allowed evil, we have an opportunity to know God in a way that we wouldn't have been able to know God without sin. I think that's what R.C. Sproul means when he says, it is good that there is evil because evil and sin have allowed us to experience God in a way we would not have experienced God if he didn't allow them to sin. And you may be thinking, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And this is what I mean. If humanity hadn't sinned, students, we wouldn't know the depth of God's love. We wouldn't know what grace and mercy are because there would be no reason for it but it would be an attribute, a beautiful attribute that belonged to God that we would never get to experience if he hadn't allowed sin. Let me read this verse. It's in Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five. Remember, we're talking about things that we know about God, that he's made himself known because he's allowed sin. Ephesians two, verses four and five, it says this, but God who is rich in mercy. I just want you to know something. God is rich in mercy. This is something that is beautiful about God. This is something that is important about God because God is rich in mercy. It says, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in our trespasses, you are saved by grace. Students, you are saved by grace. An attribute of God is graciousness. And the only reason why we know grace is because we've been saved. And the only way for us to be saved is if God allowed us to sin. And because he allowed it, we get to experience mercy and we get to experience grace. And it's something that is beautiful about God and shows us just how deep his love is. Students, if God just left everything perfect, then we would all in this room deserve God's love. There would be no reason to walk around and be like, God, you love me. Of course you do. I don't mess up. I'm perfect. Some of you in this room probably think that right now. You're like, why are we talking about sin? I don't do anything wrong. Well, that's another sermon, and we'll talk about that later. But if we never messed up, we wouldn't need mercy. We wouldn't need grace. We wouldn't know the depth of God's love. I tried to explain mercy and grace to my son the other day. We were driving. He's eight. And um, I'm just like, this is so important about God. Mason, you have to know what this is. So I said, you know what mercy is? He's like, I have no idea. He's like, you know what grace is? I have no idea. I'm like, oh gosh, we've got a lot of work to do. Um, But you need to understand this. Um, Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. So we've messed up. And mercy is when God withholds his wrath and his punishment from us. That is mercy. When we don't get what we do deserve. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. So you guys are already confused. I'm I'm sorry. But grace is when God gives us something that we don't deserve. So mercy is when he withholds withholds his punishment. And grace is when he gives us something good that we don't deserve. So in place of punishment, he gives us Jesus. There was a a pastor, his name's Francis Chan, and he illustrated this in a really interesting way. He has a daughter who had messed up and done something really bad one day, and I think it happened at school. I tried to go back and find this, and I couldn't, but I remember him telling the story, and I'll never forget, because he comes home one day, and his wife tells him that, you know, our daughter, she did this, and she was in big trouble, and he was thinking about, how am I going to discipline her? Um, because she can't do this. This is wrong and she deserves to be punished. He couldn't think about how to discipline her, but he thought, I'm gonna teach her about grace and mercy. 
And so he goes up to her room and he says, what did you do? And she explains and she's in tears. She's like, dad, I'm so sorry. You know, I messed up, I did this. And he says, okay, and you know that it's wrong, right? She says, yes, I know that's wrong. He's like, what punishment do you deserve? And she says something like being grounded or I deserve this punishment. And he says, yes, you do deserve that. But he said, instead of doing that, I'm gonna take you out and we're gonna go get ice cream. And she looked at him like, are you crazy? Like, what are you talking about? And he used it and he said, I wanna teach you about grace and mercy because Jesus has shown that to me and I want you to experience that right now. And some of you guys are thinking, I need my parents to hear this message because this would be really great for me um, later down the road. You know, I need, I need some lessons in grace and mercy, right? Um, but he says, I'm gonna take you out to get ice cream because she deserved, he showed mercy because he didn't punish her with what she deserved. Instead, he blessed her with something like ice cream, which is something she didn't deserve. And it was this illustration of grace and mercy. And the reality is for us, you guys, we deserve punishment and separation from God. And instead, Jesus, instead God gave us Jesus this gift. And students, I want you to know that we would never understand the depth of God's love if he hadn't allowed sin to enter the world. And I know for us, it's like, man, I'm trying to help that make sense, but I want you to, I wanna remind you that God's goal in creation was to make himself known fully to you. And one way that he can do that is by allowing sin into the world. We not only see God's depth of his love, but we see his power. We won't go into a lot of depth, but um, there's this moment, right, where Jesus is here on earth and he experiences the worst, maybe takes the worst evil upon himself. He hangs on this cross and it looks like evil is having their way with Jesus. He hangs on this cross being crucified and he dies and he's placed in a tomb. And for a moment, it looks like, wow, death, pain, suffering is ultimate. Because a lot of us, we think evil's greatest weapon is death. And so Jesus meets death head on. He's put in a tomb. And then three days later, he rises again from the grave, showing that there is nothing more powerful than me. Putting his power on display, there would be no reason to show how powerful God is in that way if he didn't allow humanity to enter into sin. And it's interesting because that day that Jesus hung on the cross, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but we call that day Good Friday. The day that Jesus experiences maybe the worst evil that anybody could experience is the day that we call good because it's the day that Jesus brought each one of us into a relationship with him through his power, the power of his blood shed on that cross, took the sin that God allowed you to enter into and it made it go away white as snow as we trust in him because he's powerful and he allowed Adam and Eve, he allows humanity to enter into the sinful world so he can show you, yes, sin, there are things that are powerful and yes, evil is darkness, but I am more powerful. And he puts that on display on Good Friday. And then the last thing I want us to talk about as we close is this, is we see God's sufficiency Again, students, I can't point to scripture and say, this is why God allowed Adam and Eve to sin. But what we find is not only the depth of God's love, we not only see God's power, but we also see the sufficiency of God by allowing Adam and Eve to enter into temptation and evil into this world. I wanna read this to you as we close. It's in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 12, verse seven through 10. It says this, this is a man named Paul who's writing, but he says this, he says, especially because of the extraordinary revelation, and listen close here, it says, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, because we're tempted, right, to make this world about ourselves, 
And Paul says this, therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. God allows this evil And that's a message in itself, but we don't have time to dive into that. But listen to verse eight. It says, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times, pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me, right? This suffering, that it would leave. God, would you just help me understand why I've got to go through this? In fact, would you just take it away? I pleaded with the Lord that it would leave me. But verse nine, it says this, but he said to me, this is God's answer, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. We're gonna talk about that in a second. It says, therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So listen to this, verse 10, he says, so I take pleasure. I take pleasure in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. He can take pleasure in the insults, in the pressures for the sake of Christ. It's this change of perspective. When we begin to realize, God, the pressures, the sin that you allowed, the evil that exists, God, it's not about me, it's about you. Because when I'm weak, your power's put on display, God, you are more known because you've allowed sin. And God, through me, you can make yourself known. That's why you created me. And Paul says that through all these insults, through all this, he says, I can take pleasure because it's for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You guys, what what God is showing us in that passage, and I think this is kind of the root of this question. A lot of you asked this question and you said, why would God allow evil? Why would God allow sin? I think we ask that question because we look at our circumstances and we think if my circumstance would just change, then life would be better. If the situation that I'm in, if I wasn't in a broken world, then life would be better. And what God shows us in this passage and what he's saying to Paul is this, he's saying what you need is not for your circumstance to change, but what you need is me because I am the one who is sufficient. And I think what God wants us to know more than anything, and the reason why he didn't allow Adam and Eve to stay in perfection, is because he wanted to realize is that your sufficiency and what's gonna sustain you and fulfill you will not be because you're in a perfect environment, but because you have a perfect God. And students, that's what we have in this room, is a perfect God. You may not have a perfect situation, but we do have a perfect God who loves you and wants to come into your life and transform you for all eternity. And I hope that tonight you might allow him to work in you and through you because I think a lot of us have come into this room and maybe you've just been praying, God, would you just pray, would you just change my situations? Why would you even allow this? And God's saying, I'm the one who's sufficient. If you would just trust me with your whole life, I will do something that is incredible if you'll just allow me to.